Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't you join us as we go to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, we first and foremost want to thank you, Lord God, for this day of life, O Lord, for this is the day that you have made, and we shall rejoice and be also glad in it, O Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together like this, O Lord, to hear your word today and to study your word in the name of Jesus. We ask that your precious Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today. Touch them, O Lord God, for you know the needs, you know the desires, you know the aspirations of all those that are listening, O Lord God. So I pray that you'll talk to them in your own special way, O Lord. We praise you, Lord. We magnify thy name. I give this time and this space, O Lord, entirely over to you. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1. And before we get started, why don't you go and get your Bible, get a pencil, a pen, or piece of paper, a highlighter, or something to take some notes, because it's, uh, it's important that as we study the Word of God, that we also take notes so that we can see what the Word of God is saying, because you'll be surprised how those notes will come back to help you later on as things uh, come up in your life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay, today we're going to talk about Saul. Uh, again, we visited him a few messages ago, and uh, I want to get into it again, because uh, um, his path through life... Uh, uh, took a direction. Um, he was anointed king, as you know, and uh, uh, he, his life started spiraling down. And uh, God, of course, you know, told him that he was going to take his kingdom from him because of his disobedience. But there are many, many, many valuable learning points there that we can use in our lives today to help us in the things that come up in our lives and the challenges that lie before us. Because it's most important that we uh, that we always obey God. Because when we don't obey God it can lead us down other paths that we wouldn't even be, be thinking about. So uh, briefly, you know, in, in, in one, we're going to be in 1 Samuel for the most part today, 1 Samuel chapter 28 for the most part. And, uh, but we see in the earlier chapters, just to kind of refresh your memory, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, this is where Samuel, you know, the prophet Samuel instructed Saul, you know, as per what God told him, to, uh, um, to, to destroy and slaughter the Amalekites. And uh, uh, Saul did not do that. And he lied about the fact that he that he did or didn't do it and why he didn't and so but that the people made him do it and so on. He lied about it. And uh, uh, then uh, God at that point says that he's going to take the kingdom from him because of his disobedience. We see in Samuel 16, God sends Samuel, uh, God sends Samuel on a mission to anoint David as the future king. And at that point, Saul is then plagued with an evil spirit. David goes to minister it to him with his heart, harp, and later on he throws a javelin at David. And so Saul is really spiraling down a downward path. And then in Samuel 17, we see the epic uh, 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 face-off, if you will, between David and Goliath. And of course, we know that David was indeed victorious over Goliath. And then in the following chapters, we see that uh, off and on the Philistines in Israel are, are added back and forth, back and forth. And so Saul is still king. He hasn't lost the kingdom yet. And uh, Saul is still king, but he insists on still, you know, not following God and so forth. And um, so we see this battle going on. And then if we go now to start with 1 Samuel 28, verse 1, 1 Samuel 28, verse 1, 1 Samuel 28, verse number 1, we see, and it starts with, um, And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Exodus said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Exodus, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Exodus said to David, 
Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. Now Samuel was dead. It was the prophet Samuel. Samuel was dead. And all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Okay, now this is important. Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards of the land. Now, at this particular point, Saul, indeed, he was following what Deuteronomy talks about, about not having wizards and, and sorcerers and so forth in the land. And we can see that. I just want you to see it in God's word here. We can go to Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. Okay. Okay, so what Saul did there was in accordance with God's word, okay? Verse number nine says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of, uh, abomination of those nations, okay? Okay, when you get into the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations, okay? Now that also applies to us today. And God puts us in a new environment. God blesses us and puts us in a new environment. It could be a school. It could, it could be a neighborhood. It could be a job. We as children of God, of God are not to take on, not to take on the things that those people are engaged in. Okay? We're not supposed to start all of a sudden partying hardy and drinking and smoking and taking all sorts of drugs and, and cussing and chasing women and men and so on. We as children of God, we have to stay true to the living God. So when God blesses us with being in a new environment, we all of a sudden don't change, okay? We don't want to do as the people do. We're going to make sure that we are walking the straight and narrow. And God always has good reason for saying that, okay? So he's telling Israel, he says, when you get to the land that I give you, you shall not do after the abominations of those people. So there were abominable things being ha happening. There are abominable things happening today too. And we make sure that we don't follow suit just to be popular, just to fit in. Verse number 10 says, there shall not be found among you any one that makes his son or daughter to pass through the fire or that uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consultant with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer, a wizard or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee. Okay, so God gives us a clear list of things that we should not be involved in. Divination, observer of times, enchanter, witch, and so on like that. And he's telling Israel, when you get there, these people are practicing these things, but you shall not have them around you. You shall get rid of them. Okay, you shall get, you shall get, get rid of them. You shall have. Okay, so that's what Saul did. Okay, back in, Sa in Samuel 1, Samuel 28. Okay, he had gotten rid of those, those people. So now we go back there. We go back to 1 Samuel 28. Okay, at this point, Samuel did what God was calling him to do. Samuel 28, and we want to start with um, verse number four. Okay, it says, And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Okay. So when Saul saw the armies, or this vast host, the armies of the Philistines, it says there in verse number five that he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. So just because he saw the enemy now, forgetting, forgetting all that he knew about God, 
All they knew about God, how God had brought them through, and God, you know, through David, brought them through uh, the Goliath issue. I mean, all that he knew, all of a sudden now he's still being afraid, all right? And we have to make sure that we don't fall into that trap also. God has moved in your life. God has moved in my life. God has shown us wonderful things and everything. He's delivered us from other things that happened in our lives. And just because something new comes up now, which may seem overwhelming to you, we cannot become afraid and his heart greatly trembled. We cannot become to the point of, of having such tremendous fear that we can't think, that we forget about what God has done for us in the past. Saul seemed to forget how, how he, you know, you, you know, how he uh, witnessed what God had done in his life before. And he also now, you see here, says that, but the Lord didn't answer him. Why? Because of what he did before, how he disobeyed him and lied about whether or not he had carried out God's, um, God's wishes, God's uh, uh, orders. Okay, so he seems to forget about it, and he came greatly afraid. But the thing about it is in verse number six, when Saul inquired of the Lord, he went running to him. He was greatly afraid. He went running to the Lord. The Lord didn't answer him. And he's wondering why didn't the Lord answer him? Well, because of the fact that he was very disobedient. He disobeyed God, you see. So we need to make sure that we are always obeying the Lord also. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot afford to just go through life and uh, think that, uh, oh, well, God you know, delivered me that one time. It's okay now if I go on and do my, do my own thing, okay? And if we go briefly here to uh, 1 Samuel uh, 15, 1 Samuel 15, I just want to show you and remind you of these scriptures here. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 16, Okay. This is where he disobeyed the Lord. It says, then Samuel, the prophet Samuel said unto Saul, stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, say on. And Samuel said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then, or why then, did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? Okay, and did evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, you see, so this is where he disobeyed God. All right, and and, and it seems like all of a sudden now Saul, um, Saul is thinking, well, let me run to the Lord here now because I'm in trouble, but he's not answering me. And he's scratching his head as to wondering why. And this is the reason why he disobeyed God, you see. And we have to be careful, too, because sometimes we disobey the Lord. We tend to, tend to forget that we disobeyed him, okay? We tend to forget. Things start going all haywire in your life and everything, and you're running to God and so forth. And, and that God may be trying to speak to you. God may desire and want to speak to you, but because of the fact of your sin or because you disobeyed him before, and maybe you forgot about it, okay? But once God has said, well, I'm not going to have hands off for a season of time here, then it has to be so, all right? So we need to make sure that we are always obeying God, all right? So now we want to go back to 1 Samuel 28. 1 Samuel chapter 28. I'm going back and forth because I want you to see the relationship between these scriptures. And verse number 7, okay, and then it says, Then Saul said unto his servants, Seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. Now, what had Saul done before? We saw that Saul had told the, the witches and people that dealt in those things, the necromancers and so forth, to get out of the country, told them to, to be gone. 
in accordance with what God had said back in Deuteronomy. But now all of a sudden, what is he doing? He's telling his servants to go find me a woman that has a familiar spirit. He wants to seek out one of the very people that he had called, uh, um, you know, um, illegal, if you will, to get out of the country, you know, that they were an abomination to be gone. But now he's telling his servants to go and find one of those people. Okay. So he's leading his servants into sin, by the way, by doing that, because God said, don't deal with those kinds of people. He says, behold, and the servant said unto him, behold, there is a woman that has a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, other clothing, and he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest that Saul, what Saul has done, how he hath cut off those with have to have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore, or why then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? Okay. So the woman is saying, Saul, now see, see, don't forget, Saul here, according to this, okay, he was in disguise. He disguised himself. So the woman, the woman at this point didn't know that he was Saul the king, the very Saul that had thrown out people who were practicing a witchcraft. All right. So this woman is saying, well, you know what Saul has done, how he cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. So why are you trying to trap me? That's what she's saying to him. Are you trying to trap me? Because, you know, Saul the king threw those people out and he forbids such practices. So why are you asking me to do this? And the woman said, unto, uh, and, and Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, as the Lord lives, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. All right. Now, he is, boy, he's really, really, you know, he's taking a big risk here with God. First of all, I mean, you know, he's, he's swearing to God that if this woman disobeys God by using, calling up familiar spirits and, 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 and dabbling in the very thing that God forbids, Okay, he's telling this woman, if you do that, it'll be okay by God. Boy, Saul is really, really trudging on dangerous, dangerous ground here. He knows that it's forbidden. That's bad enough. And then it's worse. He's going to look for someone who has those arts, those dark arts, those black arts. Okay, and then he's telling the person, if you practice and use those back arts, black arts, it'll be okay. God will overlook it. Okay, so he's just digging, digging the ditch for himself deeper and deeper. Then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, bring me up Saul. He said, bring me up, uh, bring me up Samuel. Sorry. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out in a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul saying, why have you deceived me? Deceive me for you are Saul. In other words, you realize at that point that he was indeed uh, the king, Saul the king. Okay. Now he's asking her to bring up uh, Samuel who is dead. Okay, and using a familiar spirit, this is what he was expecting her to do. A familiar spirit is a it's a demon. And the reason why it's called a familiar spirit is because that familiar spirit is familiar with someone that may be in your life or someone that knows your circumstances, you know, uh, uh, someone that knows your circumstances in life. And so that familiar spirit can disguise itself as someone that, you know, you know, you know, you know, if, 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 if you, you miss granny. Okay, and you go consulting someone to bring up your, 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 your granny and whatnot. It's not going to be granny. Okay, it's that demon that's representing granny. And it will be a familiar spirit because that familiar spirit can appear to you as granny. So when a person dies, his or her soul is taken either to heaven or to hell. It's as simple as that. There's no wandering the earth. Okay, there's no wandering in the earth conveying messages to the living or making, making return visits. 
And we can see that by going to uh, Luke 16. I just want to put this to rest. Uh, Luke 16, verse 19. And then we're going to come back here. So put a bookmark in Samuel, 1 Samuel. Uh, Luke, Luke 16, verse 19. Luke 16, verse 19. Okay? This is the word of God now. Let's read what the word of God says. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, and in hell, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, the rich man. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Okay. Let us pause in there for a moment. He feels pain. So right there, this shows that when we die, there is no cessation of consciousness. There's no cessation of, 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 um, of, of, of feeling. Okay. You know what is going on around you. Okay. Because he said here that, that he cries, that Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip his finger in water. So he's also, he is feeling thirst. He's feeling thirst and he was feeling pain because he said he was tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus received evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. So he's reminding him where he was rich. And what did he do? He did not do well at all. He did not feed the poor. He would not feed feed uh, Lazarus. He he was just a, a probably a nasty old you know you know you know miserly kind of person. Okay, Lazarus the beggar. In the meantime, he was in Abraham's bosom, but now this man, this rich man, quote unquote, is in hell. Okay, and he says, and you are being tormented. Beside all this, verse twenty six, and beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. There's a big gap, a big space. So that they which would pass from from there to here or you to there cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So in other words, saying between the two, where he was and in Abraham's bosom there, there's a great gulf. There's a great space, a great, a, a, a great gap, if you will. And there's no passing over back and forth. OK, no passing over back and forth. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So he's saying, well, can he go and warn my family? Okay, that this place of torment is indeed real. Can he go at least warn them? And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Okay, so I'm showing you this to show you that there's no coming back from from the dead. Okay, there's no spirits that's just roaming around, walking around this earth. You know, if you have a family member that passed, they're not roaming and walking around this earth. There's no going back and forth. Okay, 
Okay, it simply is not, not allowed. But yes, so you see what Saul was asking this witch to do, to bring up someone from the dead, okay, to bring up someone from the dead. And also, if you go to 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 2 Corinthians 11, Corinthians 11, verse number 14, says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Okay? So this is saying here that Satan himself can disguise himself as an angel of light. All right? So you got to be very, very, very careful who we are hoping for and wishing, you know, to come back to us and and to uh, to comfort us and so forth like that, because the devil himself could appear as an angel of light and, and deceive you into thinking, oh, yes, I'm here to help you. OK. All right. All right. So we have to be very, 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 very careful. And it says that his ministers are to be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. So we need to make sure that we know what the word of God says and that we're following the word of God in every single step of our lives. All right. Now, Saul, getting back to Saul here, you see what he was asking this woman to do. So now go back to Samuel 28, verse 12. First Samuel 28, verse 12. And it says, and when the woman and when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul and said, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. Now she realized that he is King Saul. He's the very one that banished all witchcraft from the land. So she said, why are you trying to trick me, having me to bring up, bring up uh, Samuel? And the king said unto her, be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the, woman said unto, and, and the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's descending out of the earth. And he said unto her, what form is he of? And she said, an old man comes up and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived or Saul understood that it was Samuel and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. OK. All right. So apparently now Samuel came up. Samuel came up and it goes on to say in, in verse number 15. And Samuel said to Saul, now this is Samuel the prophet, said to Saul, why have you disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed for the Philistines make war against me. And God is departed from me and answers me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I call thee that thou mayest make known unto me. What shall I do? OK, now, nice of him to ask this now of Samuel. Samuel had been advising him when he was alive. When Samuel was alive, he was telling him what God said to do and what God said not to do. And Saul didn't listen to Samuel back then. Now, all of a sudden, he's desperate and he's crying out to Samuel, Lord, what shall I do? God is not answering me. God is not answering me. You see the mess that he's gotten himself into. He's gotten himself into. We have to make sure in our lives, too, that we don't go fooling around, disobeying God. Okay, and then at the last minute, when we're really, really, really our backs are against the wall and everything, we go doing something like Saul did, going to other sources for help. And this is his key mistake here. Okay. And that's what I want to talk about here today. God is our source for everything. If something is going on wrong in your life, if you're really perplexed or really distressed about something, don't go seeking other avenues of escape. Don't be seeking other avenues of advice other than God, 
because all you do is you dig yourself in deeper and deeper. And most definitely not in this day and age, you think that'd be hard to do, you know, with witchcraft. No, no, no. There are so many people today. I forget the numbers right now, but the, the practicing of witchcraft and the occult arts is on the rise in this country and other parts of the world for that matter. So do not think for a moment that you, especially as a child of God, should be running to some other source for help if you feel that God is not answering you. Okay, we certainly cannot go seeking out the occult, and the occult is certainly out there. I remember years ago there, you know, it was popular. I'm talking, oh, maybe back in the 70s, if you went to a party or something like that and you met someone for the first time, you know, the conversation often went with, oh, gee, hi, my name is Sultan A. So-and-so, what's your sign? What's your sign? Meaning your, your, your horoscope sign, okay? Right, so getting involved with horoscope and zodiac and everything. I knew some people that couldn't get out of bed to go to work in the morning unless they read the, their horoscope in the newspapers for that day because they want to know what the future holds for them. And this has been mankind's, mankind's thing, you, you know, going back to time immemorial. Man has always wanted to know things that only God could tell him. Man always wants to know how he can, how he can portend the future, you know, his own future. Okay. The minute you start going outside of what God wants you to do and getting away from him and consulting other sources for information about your life, you are really, really, really skating on very thin ice. So you need to make sure that we're always consulting God. So Saul here, since God wasn't answering him, he figured, well, let me go and do the very thing. You know, it's crazy. Go to do, do the very thing that God told me not to do. You know, again, going back to Deuteronomy, Saul knew because he told all those witches and necromancers and whatnot to get out of Israel. So he knew he shouldn't be involved in that. But what does he do? All right. So now Samuel comes up there. Now he's saying to Samuel, what shall I do? And he knows full well what God had told him. OK, he knows full well. Right? And, and he says, um, he says in verse 16, then said Samuel, wherefore then do you ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and has become thine enemy? And the Lord have and the Lord have done to him as he spoke by me, for the Lord has rent the kingdom or torn the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyed not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Know what he didn't do with the Amalekites, the king of Amalek. Okay, therefore has the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with uh, with thee into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistine. Okay. So, I mean, so this is a heck of a statement now that Samuel is delivering to Saul with all this fear that he's in and everything. Okay. He's saying that, that you, you, you're going to be killed. You're going to, and when he's saying with me, he's not saying in heaven with me or anything. He's simply saying that you're going to be dead. As simple as that. Okay. Now, Saul is doing all of the wrong things here. All of the wrong things. All right. Seeking out witchcraft and divination, going to someone that has a familiar spirit, okay? And necromancy is back there, someone who, who communicates with the dead and makes an attempt to communicate with the dead. Right? And there's so much of the occult sciences that the Philistines were involved in, so deeply occult practices, practices I should say, that the Philistines and, and other uh, and, and other uh, um, pagan nations were dealing with back in those days. That's why God said, when you get to the land that I give you, don't start doing like they do. And I say it again to you, we cannot start doing as they do. Just because it may be popular today to believe in certain things and to say certain things doesn't mean once we know the word of God and what truth is with a capital T, and I don't mean someone else's truth, I mean God's truth with a capital T, then we can't go doing what others do, you know? 
And the saying today is so prevalent. You know, I've heard people say when someone when someone is, is spouting their opinion of something, or, which is a lie, uh, counter to the word of God, that the other sympathetic listener will say, oh, thank you for sharing your truth with me. Thank you for sharing your truth with me. Okay. Their truth, if it's not God's truth, it's not truth. There's one truth with a capital T, and that's God's truth. So you can have opinions all you want, and you say, this is my opinion, but don't say it's the truth. Uh, um, uh, you, you can be a man, and you can say, well, I'm a woman, and you can say, well, that's my truth. It's not a truth, because if you have male genes, then you're a man. I don't care how, what kind of clothing you have on, or what kind of mannerisms you may have, or what you think you are. The truth is God's truth. God's truth is if he created you a man, and you have male genes, and you are a man. So don't go saying that because, you know, I stand before you and I'm saying, oh, I'm a woman, I'm a woman. My name is Michelle, my name is Michelle. And you turn around and you say, oh, well, Pastor Michelle, thank you for sharing your truth with me. Yeah, that, yeah that's, not, that's not the truth. That's my opinion. But it's not the truth. It's not God's truth, all right? So we need to make sure that we are not, not following after what other people are doing, okay? Now, as far as uh, 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 Samuel here, you know, the, this passage, it does not give any indication um, that the witch of Endor saw anything other than Samuel himself. There's no indication in Scripture here that the witch saw anything other than Samuel himself. And we know that she was not creating an illusion because she screams in surprise when she sees Samuel. And you can see that in verse number 12. It says there, uh, and when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Samuel saying, what have you, uh, how, why have you deceived me? For thou art Saul. Okay. Now, now, now she was practicing, you know, in this witchcraft and using familiar spirits. Okay. And I suspect that, 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 that seeing that Samuel was there, it's really surprised and scared her because now she was actually doing what she was claiming to do before. Okay, and that is that is consulting through the use of familiar spirits, bringing up dead people. So now she saw Samuel all of a sudden, and it actually scared her. It actually scared her. Okay, so we know that she was not creating an illusion because of her surprise. And then also, the spirit rising from the earth is called by name by Samuel. The text does not say the scripture does not say that the spirit appeared to be Samuel. It said it was Samuel, or that she thought it was Samuel. The text directly refers to the spirit as Samuel, okay, as Samuel. Further, the spirit spoke the truth. The message Saul received was accurate, okay? If this was a demonic spirit, (laughs) demonic spirits don't know the truth. They don't know what God is saying or what God is doing, okay? Unless God chooses to reveal to them, you know, by his actions or whatever, okay? But Samuel came up and spoke exactly what, what had happened with Saul. So he knew, so he knew. So therefore, this was not some apparition. It wasn't an illusion that this woman, the witch of Andor, had done. This was actually Samuel that was brought up. The medium's reaction to seeing Samuel indicates that, the, that she normally relied on trickery, you know, or was expecting a familiar spirit to deliver its deceitful message. It seems that in this case, God allowed Samuel to return in order to give King Saul the news of his coming defeat and death, all right? So God was involved with this. God was involved with it. I mean, he allowed Samuel to to appear to deliver this final message to Saul, telling him that he was going to see defeat and that he was going to wind up wind up uh, uh, dying as a result of it. Okay. And then we go to Samuel uh, twenty, continuing Samuel twenty eight, verse number twenty. It says, uh, um, "Let's go back to nineteen. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel into the into." with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. 
the Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistine. This is crushing news for Saul. Then Saul fell straight away uh, all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel, because of the words of Samuel, that there was no strength in him, for he had eaten, eaten no bread all day nor all night. He was so afraid and so upset by what was going on, he wasn't even eating. And so at this point, he collapsed. And the woman came unto Saul and saw that he was sore troubled and said unto him, Behold, thy handmaid has obeyed thy voice, and I have put my life in, in my hand, and I have hearkened unto your words which you spoke to me. Now therefore I pray thee, hearken thou also unto the voice of thy handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee and eat, that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. But he refused, he refused, and he said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman compelled him, and he hearkened unto their voice. So he arose from the earth and sat upon the bed. And the woman had a fat calf in the house, and she hasted and, and killed it and took flour and kneaded it and did bake unleavened bread thereof. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat. Then they arose and went away that night. Okay? So they went away, away that particular night. But now, God had already said to Saul what was going to happen to you through Samuel. Saul had sinned, repeatedly sinned. He, he had sinned with the Amalekites. He lied about it back there. If you go back and you read 15 carefully, he lied about it then when Samuel confronted him and everything. He, he lied about, oh, I did this and I did that. And when full well, he didn't. And then he goes and he breaks God's rule here by bringing in this, uh, uh, this sorceress, this witch, to raise up a spirit. Because again, he, he, he wasn't hearing from God. So he decided that I'm going to do it on my own and find another way and to make matters worse, he went to demonic, demonic sources to find, to, to find out what his future was holding. That is so wrong. So again, we in the 21st century here, you know, if we're slipping and we're sinning like this, we need to make sure if we disobey God, we need to make sure that we repent quickly, first of all, repent. God is very faithful to forgive if we slip and stumble. You know, if we have doubts in believing or troubles with faith, I mean, you can pray and ask the Lord to give you a supernatural faith and to give you a double portion of his anointing, to give you the Holy Spirit. I mean, just run to God and just pour out your heart to him and tell him what's on your mind and why you're so troubled. But do not, do not, do not, whatever you do, go and seek, or, or, um, uh, you, you know, seek otherworldly or any demonic forces here for, for answers. Don't go consulting the horoscope. Don't go into tarot cards. Don't go to the Ouija board. Don't, don't go into other methods here of trying to def, de, divine what your future may be. God is the only answer because the minute you start going in that direction, boy, you open up other doors that are, oh man, you'll be in worse shape than you are now. Okay? You'll be in worse shape. God is the only answer. Okay? And then we see here in the closing, uh, the closing chapter, if you go to 1 Samuel 31, Go to 1 Samuel 31 here, <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 31 and verse number 3. Okay, and remember, Samuel told him that you and your sons were, were going to be dead. Okay, verse number 3. And the battle went sore against Saul. He and the Philistines got into battle. Okay, the battle went sore badly. The battle went sore badly against Saul. And the archers hit him. And he was sore wounded of the archers. So he was hit by arrows and he was badly wounded. Then said Saul unto his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. So he told, told his, armor, armor, his armor bearer to kill him. 
But his armor bearer would not, for he was very afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. Okay. That's where that expression comes, comes, comes from. You know, yeah, don't go falling on your sword now because all of a sudden, you know, you're in trouble and you want to sacrifice yourself. And so he fell upon the sword. His armor bearer wouldn't take his life, so he decided to kill himself, committed suicide, and fell upon it. When his armor bearer saw, what, saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So the armor bearer was there with him, saw that Saul was dead, so he fell on his sword or committed suicide also. And Saul died and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men that same day together, just as Samuel had prophesied to him, told him that this is what was going to happen to him, okay? Right? Saul's life just spiraled down, spiraled down to, to, the, to this. Then it goes on to say in verse number seven, and when, the men, uh, and when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, and they that were on the other side Jordan, saw that the men of Israel fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow, when the Philistines came, Philistines came to strip the slain, to strip the slain bodies, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head, Saul's head, they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among other people. In other words, they told everybody what, what had happened to Saul here. They cut off his head and they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethson. Isn't that terrible? Cut off his head and they fastened, hung his, hung his body, fastened it, fastened it to the wall of Bethson and the city. And when the inhabitants of, of uh, Jabilisgad heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went at, uh, all at night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. Okay. So he died a terrible death. I mean, he, he uh, um, committed suicide. But then the Philistines cut off his head and pinned his body to a wall. Okay. Now, this was a man of God that was chosen by God and was anointed by this very Samuel, was anointed to be king. And then because of his actions, just spiraled downward, spiraled downward until his life wound up this way, okay? And again, this is a powerful message for us today, you know? Now, we've spoken about disobedience before in some of these messages, but the, the, the offshoot of this disobedience, I really wanted to bring home to you how... How, how dangerous it can be if we don't get that disobedience in check by repenting once we discover and realize that we, we were disobedient, okay? Sometimes we can slip and do something and really don't realize that we disobeyed God, but Holy Spirit that is in you will let you know, okay? The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn. The devil condemns. The difference between condemnation and conviction is that condemnation is saying, see what you did? You sinned. You're no good. You're going to die. You're going to go to hell and just heaps coals in it repeatedly showing you how bad you are. Conviction is Holy Spirit says, my son, my daughter, you've sinned. Come and repent. Come and repent. That it gives you a way out. The Holy Spirit always gives you a way out. And the, whole, and the, and, and the way out for, for sinning is repentance and asking the Lord to forgive you and changing from those habits and going in the opposite direction. 
Amen. Amen. So again, the point is, is that is, is that right away, if you slip and you stumble, run to the Lord, repent of that sin and don't go that way again. And again, lastly, in closing here, whatever you do, do not go seeking advice, looking for for where your life is going or trying to figure out things. If you're not hearing from God right away, God sometimes has a reason for not answering. Maybe the answer is not for now or whatever, whatever God's reason may be. But if you're not hearing from God right away, don't go seeking other avenues to find out where your life is going or whether or not you should take a job, whether or not you should marry someone, whether or not you should travel. Don't go seeking advice from other places. Only go to the Lord and let Holy Spirit advise you. That's what he's there for. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, uh, um, why don't you tell others where to find us also? Uh, we can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net. That's www.genesis1.sermon.net. And if you look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available. Uh, We're on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. Uh, We have our free apps for Android and Apple devices. It can be downloaded from their respective Play Stores. And uh, all of this is free of charge, uh, no cost. You can download the video or the audio-only portion from these uh, sites if you, if you wish. It's all there for you to, and for your convenience to play it as you will. You know? And why don't you come on by and join us uh, for live worship. Uh, we're in the, in the uh, Candelaria Terrace area in Salem, Oregon, and the address is 2651 Commercial Street, Southeast Salem, Oregon. Again, that's 2651 Commercial Street, Southeast Salem, Oregon. And uh, come on by. We'd love to, to see you. Come and hear the word of God and fellowship for a bit and let us pray for you. All right, come on out and enjoy a Sunday, a Sunday with us. We meet at 10.30 a.m., by the way. Service starts at 10.30 a.m. in the morning. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And now let's close in, close in prayer. prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and the week ahead of us, that we shall remember these words, O Lord, and keep these words deeply, deeply planted within our spirits, O Lord. Let us always remember that, O Lord, God, if we should slip and stumble and sin against you, that we should repent right away. Let us always seek your face, O Lord, God, for advice and direction. Let us always be mindful that there are so many, so many occultic practices out there today, so many things that would try to woo us away from you to get our interest in them or it. Oh, Lord, let us always stay focused on you and look to you for direction in our lives. We praise you, Lord God. We magnify thy most glorious name in the master's name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Praise God. Praise God. So go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is indeed Lord. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. In your